Hello and welcome to The Adventures of Paul Temple from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. From London, we present the Francis Durbridge serial, Paul Temple and the Geneva Mystery. This first started with Carl Milbourne and... Yes, Holmes? And Too Young to Die. You mean the novel by Richard Randolph? Yes. Paul... I wrote that book. What? I'm Richard Randolph. Paul, I don't think he realizes what he's saying. Yes, yes, I do. I wrote that book and sent it to Carl Milbourne. He liked the book and I told him how I got the idea for the story. Yes. It was while I was in Hollywood. I was doing a picture for... Steve, go up to the house and ask them to phone for a doctor. Yes, all right, Paul. I... I must tell you about the book. It was based on something that... that happened to... To Julia Carrington? Yes. And you told Carl Milbourne about it? Yes. I see. Vince, what happened tonight? Did you really have an appointment with Julia? Yes. Danny Clayton telephoned and said she wanted to see me. Yes. I was on my way up to the house when... when someone came up behind me and... and... You must keep warm, Vince. Here, let me put this coat around you. Will he be okay, Doctor? Yes, I think so. But he can't be moved, Mr. Clayton. You'll have to stay the night here. Is that all right, Danny? Yes, of course. I've already spoken to Miss Carrington about it. But but she wants to know what he was doing in the grounds at this time of night. But you telephoned me and said Miss Carrington wanted to see me. I didn't telephone you. But you did. You you told me to come you here. You must be quiet, Mr. Langham. It's essential. I'm sorry, but there must be no more talking, gentlemen. Yes, of course. I'm sorry, Doctor. Try to get some sleep, Vince. We'll see you tomorrow. Yes, Good night, Paul. Good night. And thanks for everything. Obviously, the man's lying, Mr. Temple. I'm sorry, but I don't agree, Miss Carrington. Do you mean you don't believe Danny when he says that he didn't telephone Mr. Langham? Someone telephoned him. If it wasn't Danny, then someone impersonated him. But why should anyone impersonate me? Anyway, it's extremely annoying. Annoying? If the newspapers get hold of the story, they'll assume that I invited Langham here because he's a film director. Would it be such a bad idea if the newspapers did print the story? The whole story? What do you mean? I think it's about time we put our cards on the table. Someone tried to murder Vince tonight, and they very nearly succeeded. Now, it's my... Are you suggesting that Julia had something to do with this affair? I'm suggesting it's about time Miss Carrington told me the truth about herself and the truth about Carl Milbourne. What do you know about Milbourne? He was blackmailing you, wasn't he? Well, Miss Carrington? Yes, he was. He still is. Well, don't you think you'd better tell me about it? It started in Hollywood, didn't it? Yes. 
Many years ago when you were drinking heavily? Yes. Oh, go on. I had a hideout in an apartment house in Santa Barbara. I used to go there by myself at weekends. I was on top in those days, and yet I wasn't happy. I don't expect you to understand why I wasn't happy, but... Well, one night during a drinking bout, I accidentally set fire to the apartment. I escaped, but many people lost their lives that night, including Danny's mother and father. Go on, Miss Cangham. There was an inquiry, and I went to the head of the studio and told him the whole story. Naturally, I wanted to accept full responsibility for what had happened. But the studio wouldn't hear of it. We were halfway through a picture. <laughs> and the only person who knew that I was in Santa Barbara at the night of the fire was the manager of the apartment house. The studio paid him $40,000 to keep his mouth shut. Not only that, but they provided me with an alibi as well. It must have been a ghastly experience. Yes, it was, Mrs. Temple. Well, when Danny left college, I made up my mind to take care of him. Later, I retired and came to live in Europe. Then one day, Carl Milbourne came to see me. He showed me a manuscript of a novel called Too Young to Die. As soon as I read it, I knew that it was my life story. Yes. Randolph heard your story from the manager of the apartment house and based his novel on it. Milbourne told me he was Randolph and, and that... He told you he was Randolph? Yes, he was the author and owned all the rights in the book. Well, naturally, I asked him not to publish it. He agreed, subject to certain considerations. How much have you paid Carl Milbourne? Up to the time of the accident, about £40,000. £40,000? Yes. Were you relieved when you heard about the accident? I'm afraid I was. Mm. I thought that would be the end of the matter. But it wasn't. A short time after the accident, I had a phone call from Mrs. Milbourne. She said she felt convinced that her husband was still alive, and she asked me if I'd heard from him. And what did you say? I lied. I said I'd never even met her husband. Go on, Miss Gaines. About a week ago, I had a phone call from Carl Milbourne himself. He told me I had to make one more payment of $60,000. Did he tell you where to deliver the money? No, he simply told me to come to Sir Moritz and wait. He said he'd contact me here. And has he? No, not yet. I begged Julia to go to the police, but she wouldn't hear of it. Finally, I persuaded her to see you. Then at the very last moment, on the day you arrived... She funked it. Yes. Well, I haven't funked it now, Mr. Temple. I've told you the whole truth. What do you think I should do now? There's no doubt in my mind what you should do, Miss Carrington. No doubt at all. Oh, good evening, Mr. Temple. Good evening. I understand Mr. Lonsdale is a friend of yours. Well, um, yes, we know Mr. Lonsdale. Uh, there's been a rather unfortunate incident, Mr. Temple. Oh? One of the maids went into Mr. Lonsdale's room thinking it was empty. She heard groans coming from the bathroom, and Mr. Lonsdale had taken some tablets. He was very sick. The maid sent for me, and I got the doctor, of course. Go on. I noticed a letter on the bedside table addressed to Mrs. Milburn, and... I put it in my pocket. But as soon as Mr. Lonsdale recovered, he asked for it, and he tore it up immediately, Mr. Temple. The doctor thinks that Mr. Lonsdale attempted suicide. Have you told Mrs. Milbourne about this? Uh, no, it happened after she left, sir. Left? I thought she was leaving tomorrow morning. Uh, no, she left for Zurich this evening, sir. I see. Uh, how, how is Mr. Lonsdale now? Oh, he seems very much better. I thought you ought to know about this, Mr. Yes, of course. It's very kind of you. I'll go upstairs and have a word with him. Room... Uh, 32, sir. He's in the annex. 
I'm sorry that fool of a manager sent you up here, Temple. Yes, he was quite perturbed. I expect he was. He thought I'd been trying to kill myself, the idiot. What happened exactly? Well, I get these violent migraines. I had one all day, so I took some tablets I keep for it, and I must have taken too many. <laughs> it's happened before. I dare say it'll happen again. I see. Well, I'm glad it was a false alarm and that you're feeling better. I assure you, Temple, I'm perfectly all right now. No, nothing to worry about. Good. Um, may I use your phone? Yes, of course. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Temple here, put me through to my room, please. Hello, Steve. Um, it's all right, darling. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, he had a migraine and took too many tablets, that's all. No, 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 no. That was a lot of nonsense. Hmm. I'll be up in a few minutes. Yes. All right, Steve. When I see that fool of a manager, I'll give him a piece of my mind. I shall have a good night's sleep and forget all about it. Oh, um... I understand your sister left this evening. Yes, she managed to get a reservation on the night flight from Zurich. Oh. Well, good night, Lonsdale. If you should want anything in the night, just give me a ring. Thank you, Temple. That's very kind of you. Good night, then. Good night. Steve? I'm in the bathroom. I'll be with you in a second. Uh, where's your mirror, darling? Mirror? Ah. It's on the dressing table. Ah, Yes. Point of that phone call from Lonsdale's uh, room. Oh, what are you doing with the mirror? There was a blotting pad on Lonsdale's desk that had been used recently, so I asked him if I could use the phone. Mm -hmm. I pocketed a piece of the blotter while I was talking to him. Oh, let me look. Well, it's rather smudgy. I can't read all of it. Uh, dear Margaret, mm -hmm. deeply... Uh, shocked, isn't it? Yeah, I said shocked. Deeply shocked by what you have told me cannot... Become in, involved. That's involved in this affair. Well, what does he mean? What affair? Well, it could be the Milbourne affair, I suppose. Yes, but why should he write his sister a note like that? Surely he doesn't think that she's responsible for. Oh, Paul. You don't think Margaret Milbourne's the person behind all this? And now she's trying to involve her brother? Yes. Hence the note and suicide attempt? Yes. It'd be rather funny if we'd been underrating Mrs. Milbourne all this time, wouldn't it? It would be even funnier if we'd been underrating Mr. Lonsdale. Did you get your paper? Yes, yeah. We'll go into breakfast if you're ready. Oh, my tummy's been ready for the last half hour. <laughs> oh, here's Lonsdale just coming out. Good morning. morning. How are you feeling this morning, Mr. Lonsdale? Oh, I feel fine, thank you. I'm sorry about that spot of bother last night, Mrs. Temple. It must have given you quite a shock. Yes. Well, you look all right now, Lonsdale. Thank you. I'm just off to the hospital to see Miss Sand. Is she getting better? Yes, but it's a slow job, I'm afraid. Oh, by the way, Temple, I meant to ask you last night, have you heard any more from the police about Carl? No, nothing, I'm afraid. If there should be any development, I'll let you know, of course. Yes, do. Well, I, I won't keep you from your breakfast. Fine. Probably see you at lunch. Yes, of course. Goodbye, Mrs. Temple. Goodbye. Mr. Temple. Uh, yes? You're wanted on the telephone, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Here's the paper, Steve. Oh, thank uh, you. I'll see you at the table. Yes, all right. This way, sir. Hello? Hello, Paul? Yes, speaking. This is Danny. Oh, good morning, Danny. What can I do for you? Julia had a phone call about half an hour ago. You can probably guess who it was. Yes. Julia answered the phone herself. She said it was the same man as before, the same voice. He said he was Carl Milbourne, 
and that he wanted a final payment of $200,000. 200000 What did Julia say? Well, she did what you told her to do. She agreed to everything. Good. Go on, Danny. Well, the instructions he gave me are simple. I've got to take the money to London, and on Friday night at precisely 8 o'clock, ring uh, Putney 1347. Putney 1347. That's right. Presumably, our friend will be waiting for the call, and then he'll tell me where to meet him. I see. Friday. That gives us four clear days. All right, Danny, go ahead. Carry out my instructions. You sure you know what you're doing, Paul? Yes, I know what I'm doing. Okay, you're boss. Oh, um, how's Vince this morning? Oh, he's much better. He's going back to his hotel this afternoon. Good. Well, see you in London. Yes, see you in London. Excuse me, sir. Oh, yes. What is it, Charlie? Inspector Lloyd's arrived, sir. Oh, good. Show him in. This way, if you please, sir. Hello, Temple. Nice to see you again. Oh, thank you, Inspector. Charlie, bring us some coffee. Uh, not for me, thank you. I'm in rather a hurry. Oh, all right, Charlie. We've traced that number for you. It's a call box on Putney Heath. A call box? Yes. I've arranged to have the box kept under observation from midday on Friday. When Mr. Clayton makes his call, it'll be recorded. Thank you, Inspector. Uh, incidentally, we've seen Mr. Clayton. He's staying at the Savoy and seems quite anxious to cooperate. Good. Well, I'll be off. I just wanted you to know that everything was under control. We'll be in touch with you later. Do you mind if we have the radio off, Steve? Ooh, you're very edgy this morning. I just can't understand why I haven't heard from Danny Clayton. Have you tried to get hold of him? Yes, I've phoned the hotel twice, but each time he's out. Well, why don't you try Sir Graham or the inspector? They may have heard something. I've been a damn fool, Steve. I shouldn't have left everything to the police. I should have gone out to Putney Heath myself last night and waited. Oh, what is it, Charlie? Inspector Lloyd's here, sir. Oh, good. Ah, come on in, Inspector. Good morning, Mrs. Temple. Good morning, Inspector. Uh, don't go, Charlie. Is that the tape recorder? Yes. Everything went according to plan, I'm glad to say. Uh, take the recorder and plug it in, Charlie. Yes, sir. Now, be careful. The tape's on the machine. Well, what happened? Uh, Mr. Clayton made the call, and there was a man waiting for it outside the box. He had a scarf over his face, and we didn't recognize him. Well, not at first, that is. When he left the box, we tailed him out to Notting Hill Gate. He has a flat out there. His name's Spinner. We've heard of that gentleman before. Did you pick him up? Well, we're not that stupid. Mm. It's not Mr. Spinner we're after. It's all ready now, sir. Thank you, Charlie. You can go. I particularly want you to listen to this phone call, Mrs. Temple. Listen carefully. Why me, Inspector? You'll soon see. Is that Putney 1347? Mr. Clayton? Yes. You got the money? Yeah, I've got the money. What do you want me to do? Now listen. Now listen carefully. Put the money in a case and take it to the Carlos Club in Meldon Square. What, now tonight? No, tomorrow night. Any time after 11. Leave the case with the cloakroom attendant. Give the man a pound and tell him someone called Leslie will pick it up later. Someone called Leslie? That's right. Carlos Club, Meldon Square, tomorrow night. Have you got that? Yeah, I've got it. You're sure? Yes, I'm sure. Okay, that's all, Mr. Clayton. Good night. But I know that voice. I know that man's voice. I was hoping you'd say that, Mrs. Temple. It's the man who bought the car here. Do you remember, Paul? He said, he said his name was Stone, and you told him to bring uh, the car. Yes. That's right, Mrs. Temple. Well... Uh, Stone, or Spinner, as he now calls himself, 
is obviously working for someone called Leslie. That's just a cover-up name for... Uh, Inspector, uh, tell me about the Carlos Club, do you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, it's been open about six months. A perfectly respectable club as far as these places go. Who owns it? I think it's a syndicate of some kind. I take it you're watching the place, Inspector? Naturally. It's under close observation. There'll be a cordon round the club from eight o'clock onwards. Good. Perhaps you'd care to join us this evening. Oh, just you try and stop us, Inspector. <laughs> good evening, sir. Welcome to the Carlos Club. Uh, good evening. Are you a member? No, I'm afraid not. I'm just delivering this case for someone. Uh, where is the cloakroom? It's over there, sir. Oh, thank you. Well, well. Hello, Clayton. Langham. I didn't expect to see you here. How are you? Oh, I'm much better, thanks. What are you doing here? You didn't tell me you were coming to London. Uh, No, I I just dropped in to deliver something for someone and... Well, what are you doing here? (laughs) Chubby Costello plays here. Chubby Costello? Well, don't tell me you've never heard of Chubby Costello. He's written the music for my new picture. Oh, I see. Oh, uh, well, um, if you'll excuse me. Oh, look, I... uh, won't you let me buy you a drink? Uh, no, thanks. Are you sure? Yeah, quite sure, thank you. Uh, is Julia with you? Uh, no, she's not. Oh. Uh, where are you staying? I- I'm at the Savoy. Uh, call me, call me sometime. Yes, I'll do that. Good night. Uh, good night, Clayton. Uh, good evening, sir. Uh, good evening. I want to leave this case with you. Uh, someone called Leslie will pick it up later this evening. A gentleman, I presume, sir. Uh, oh, yes, I imagine so. And here we are. This is for you. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Uh, the case will be quite safe. I'll see your friend gets it. Thank you. Good night. Good night, sir. I must say, everything seems perfectly normal. I can't even see a police car. No, you're not supposed to. As a matter of fact, Lloyd's tackled the problem very well, even down to keeping this parking space for us. Yes. Oh, Paul, there's someone in that van o- over on the other side of the road. Oh, don't worry about the van, Steve. Or the blue saloon, hmm? or that black Ford over there. Hmm? It's Lloyd and his merry men. Oh, I see. He said he was going to surround the place, and by Timothy, he has. I don't understand why we haven't seen Danny. We saw him go into the club, and yet he, he... probably left by another exit. And Vince? Well, it's my bed Vince is still in there. Paul, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. Mm-hmm. When Julia Carrington first met Carl Milbourne, why did you... Paul, look who's coming out. I'm watching. Is that the same case he's carrying? Yes, that's it. And that's the person we're waiting for. Wind the window down, Steve. What are you going to do? I want to get to the corner before our friend with the case does. Good evening, Lonsdale. Temple, let me give you a lift. I I thought you were still in Switzerland. No, we got back three days ago. But I telephoned your hotel this morning to make sure you were still there. I spoke to the manager and he told me you got to Lucerne for the weekend. Yes, I know. Actually, you didn't speak to the manager. You spoke to a man called Schmidt. Schmidt? I told him you'd probably check up on me. Why, you interfering... Give me the case, Lonsdale. Just try and get it. Lonsdale, don't be a fool. You'll never get away with it. Lonsdale, look out! The car! <laughs> Oh, 
How is he, Sergeant? I don't know, sir. The inspector's with him at the moment. Well, he ran straight into us, just as we were accelerating. I tried to stop him. Oh, I know you did, sir. Anyway, the ambulance will be here any minute now. Oh, uh, here's the inspector. Oh, good evening, Inspector. Is he badly hurt? I'm afraid he's dead. What happens about the money in the suitcase, Paul? Will Julia get it back? Yes, of course. You've no need to worry about that, Danny. Mr. Temple, how did this business first start? Well, it started when Vince Langham heard about the fire in Santa Barbara and decided to write a book about the affair. When the book was finished, Vince sent it to Frida Sands to be typed. The woman who typed it was Dolly Brazer. Dolly Brazer? Mm, She had a temporary job with the Sands agency at the time. Oh, so that's how she became involved. Yes. Vince showed the book to Carl Milbourne, who bought it outright and persuaded Vince to use a pseudonym, Richard Randolph. But how did my brother get involved? Morris Lonsdale had lent your husband a large sum of money and he wanted immediate repayment. They were discussing this when Carl mentioned the book Too Young to Die. Lonsdale, who was already operating several rackets, realised that Julia was an extremely wealthy woman and that the book could be used as a means of blackmail. Well, go on, Paul. Acting on Lonsdale's instructions, Carl Milbourne went to Geneva and did a deal with Julia. But on the way home, he was knocked down and killed. Oh, so he was killed? Yes. But Lonsdale was determined that the plan should go ahead. So he telephoned Julia, saying that he was Carl, and that the accident had been faked. Later, he put a doubt in your mind about the accident, Mrs. Milbourne. Yes, that's when he sent me the hat with a note in it. Yes. But the note was in Carl's handwriting. It was an undated note which Carl had previously sent to your brother. Lonsdale just dated it. Oh, I see. But why should Lonsdale want to convince Mrs. Milbourne that her husband was alive? He knew that if Mrs. Milbourne thought her husband wasn't dead, she'd say so in no uncertain terms and that Julia would hear about it. But what Lonsdale didn't bargain for was the fact that Margaret would consult me. When he discovered I was a friend of Dolly's, He told her to warn me to keep out of the case. But why was the poor girl attacked, Paul? To show me that he meant business and to show Dolly that she must never talk. Mm. He scared hell out of me on the train that night. Although I must admit I didn't recognize him at the time. It was dark and he had a scarf over his face. He frightened you too, didn't he, Mrs. Milbourne? He frightened you into telling us that story about Danny and Maidenhead? Yes, but I did try to stop you from going onto the houseboat, Mr. Temple. It was a friend of mine, an actor, who telephoned you at the hotel. He's quite well known. Oh, you know, I thought I'd heard that voice before somewhere. Tell me, Mrs. Milbourne, when did you first realise that your brother had been lying to you? Oh, when I got to St. Moritz. Up till then, I I really did believe that Carl was alive. I thought the two phone calls I'd received in London and Geneva were genuine. Was Carl's voice like your brother's? Yes, very much so especially on the telephone. But when did you actually find out about your brother? The night we arrived in St. Moritz, Morris came into my room. He was angry and he'd been drinking. He said that Carl had been blackmailing Julia Carrington and that the blackmailing had to continue. He said if I didn't help him, he'd throw suspicion onto me. Which he did, the moment you left St. Moritz. Is this true? Yes. He pretended to commit suicide and left a note behind... Blaming you for everything. Oh, Morris. Paul, tell me, how does Vince Langham fit into all this? Well, although Vince didn't know what was going on, he wasn't above trying a spot of blackmail himself. 
He wanted Julia to make a film for him, any film. My bet is, if Julia had said yes, he'd have sued the publishers and done his damnedest to get the book back. Yes, I think you're right, Mr. Temple. I know my brother was worried about Langham. He thought he was up to something. Because of this, he, he started to throw suspicion onto him. The cigarette case? Yes. Later, he decided to get rid of him. I don't have to tell you and Mrs. Temple what happened. No. Well, I think Vince has learned his lesson. Well, Paul, what's going to happen to the book now? It doesn't matter what happens to it now, Steve. It doesn't matter? No. I phoned Julia this morning. I told her about Lonsdale and what happened last night. And she's decided to tell the truth about herself. About Hollywood, about the fire, about everything. You mean at long last she really is going to write an autobiography? Oh, no. <laughs> Julia can hardly write a letter, let alone a book. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Just over an hour ago, I had a call from New York, from World Magazine. They want you to write the story of Julia Carrington, Paul. Me? They want Paul to write it. Yeah, but that's impossible. I'm up to my eyes in work. I've got a new book planned for the autumn, and later in the year I... Wait a minute. Does this mean that we'd have to go back to St. Moritz? I'm afraid so. Steve, what are you getting at? You mean now, Danny, straight away? Straight away, Steve. Steve, what are you getting at? He'll write it, Danny. By Timothy, he'll write it. (laughs) In the final episode of Paul Temple and the Geneva Mystery, the part of Margaret Milbourne... Carl is alive, Mr. Temple. I've spoken to him. ...was played by Isabel Dean. Danny Clayton... I work for Julia Carrington. I'm her confidential secretary, amongst other things. ...by Nigel Graham. Vince Langham... I wrote that book. I'm Richard Randolph. By Simon Lack. Julia Carrington. As soon as I read it, I knew that it was my life story. By Polly Murch. Inspector Lloyd. Of course we didn't pick him up. We're not that stupid. By Wilfred Carter. Charlie. She was in a bit of a tisser, so I put her in the study. By John Baddeley. Maurice Lonsdale. He thought I'd been trying to kill myself, the idiot. By Patrick Barr. Steve. Oh, this is nice, isn't it? I've always wanted to ride in a kucha. By Marjorie Westbury. And Paul Temple. Don't you think you'd better tell the whole story, Miss Carrington? Was played by Peter Cook. The Paul Temple serials are written by Francis Durbridge and produced for the BBC by Martin C. Webster. <laughs>